a new year. God has been good to us. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 3. That's where we're going to be this morning. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to take a break from Ephesians for this week and jump right back in next week. Um, I Literally this week I was wrestling whether I should continue and... Um, deal with the text I was going to deal with in Ephesians. And for me, uh, just as in, for many of you, as a new year approaches, you kind of reminisce and look forward. You reminisce and look forward. You have those two things that constantly um, many of us do is a little analysis, though many of us uh, try to forget some of the very big struggles sometimes because we don't want to go through them again. Um, uh, but God has been good to us and given us a new year. And I think what ends up happening to many of us, uh, including myself, is that uh, we, we tend to set goals and things that we would like to accomplish in the next coming year. Um, one thing I, I wanted to point out, and I think this is very important for us, um, whether your goals are written down or not, you have plans that you want accomplished this next year. Uh, whether, whether or not... Um, Everybody else knows about them, does not negate the fact that God knows about them. Um, you see, many of us set goals throughout life. We have what I would consider uh, goals for our, you know, the way we want our lives to turn out. We want to have three kids, you know, a house and a dog. I mean, we have things that we go forward and look forward to as we're growing up. When I get older, I want to be this. Um, when I go, you know, this next couple, these next couple years, we want to be here as a church. Um, so we set our budget and we set it up to, okay, here's what we think we're going to bring in. Here's where our money is going to go out. And we're going to use those expenses for the different ministries here at Sovereign Grace Church. Um, you see, it's a good thing to actually set goals in life. That's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. In fact, um, we're going to discuss a little bit of what Paul's goal today is um, in Philippians chapter 3. And when it comes to Scripture, some of us have goals. Um, some of us, how many of you have ever kind of committed to, you know, going, reading through the Bible? It's kind of been a goal of yours. You, you said, I'm going to do that. Um, we're actually going to talk about that today. Really, one of, the, one of the things I think would be a benefit to us as a church is if everybody made that a goal and a point to read through the Bible through the year. You really, it doesn't take that much time out of your day to go through a, a reading plan and, and work through that and say, you know what, I'm going to do the best I can to read the Bible from beginning to end. It's good to look at the forest, and it's also good to look at the actual trees in detail and really study a certain text or a passage for yourself. So both are very good and, and beneficial to us. Um, I think one, one thing that lacks sometimes for us is setting a goal in the Great Commission. We've talked about it in Sunday school, and, and one of the big things that Pastor and I have been discussing uh, recently is where we want to take the church and reaching others with the gospel. Um, I actually have a uh, kind of a surprise for everybody at the end of the service today, at the end of my sermon. So I'm looking, you know, stay with me. We're going to get there. Um, it really should be good and beneficial to all of us um, because I'm excited about what God's going to do this next year. I'm excited about 2017, uh, not because I have everything planned out and it's all going to go the way I planned it, but because I truly believe that because God is faithful and if we are faithful to him, he promises things. Amen. You know, because we, we have a faithful God who's faithful to us, even when we're unfaithful, he'll still continue to be faithful. You know, and, we, and you know, we're living proof of that. Pastor's mentioned so many times how many years we've been here. Even when it seems like we're about to drop through the floor, God's still holding us up. So it, it's incredible. It really is to see how God has been to us. 
And we're going to take a look at some of the goals set by those in Scripture, and particularly with the Apostle Paul. Um, in Philippians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, we're going to start um, in Philippians chapter 3. And one thing that I think really many of us take for granted um, is the true Scripture reveals to us about the passions and aspirations of certain Bible characters. Um, so many of us uh, relate to David when we're going through sorrow. We read the Psalms. Um, I would recommend the Psalms also when you want to praise, because David did both very well. Um, but I, I know why we go there. We know why we read those things. We need the comfort. So we, we go and find uh, people that have gone through, in a real sense, what we've gone through. In fact, David probably went through more than we did. He actually had Saul pursuing him, trying to kill him. I don't think many of us have that, but, you know, the point is, as difficult as our situations are, we, we turn to those Bible passages to get um, inspired by what other people have done for God. Um, and, and I think, as we turn to this text, it's very familiar to many of us. In fact, I, I actually thought, uh, as I was going through this, oh man, people have probably heard like 40 sermons about, you know, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Here we go. We're, it's going to be another one of those sermons. But stick with me, all right? There's a lot here that I want to unpack that I probably have never seen before. So hopefully it'll be new to you as well. Um, just as John 3.16 should never get boring and old to us, I think any part of Scripture should be an encouragement and a push and a drive forward as we continue um, to worship our great King. Verse 3, we're going to start in Philippians chapter uh, Chapter 3, verse 3. For we are, we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also may have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel and of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But were things, what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, from whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything, and anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk, as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind unearthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able 
even to subdue all things to himself. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for giving us the Apostle Paul and these words of Scripture. Thank you for his example. We thank you for his passion and his drive. We ask that you would give us that same passion and drive at Sovereign Grace Church. We ask that 2017 we would desire the things that Paul desired and that we would make sure that we would make more priority the things that ought to be a priority. Father, we ask that this morning's sermon be applicable to every believer and every member of Sovereign Grace Church. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul here, as we look at the text, we're not going to you know, read every single verse over and over, but what I want us to do is grab some truths in this chapter that I think are going to be very, very vital. Um, four things that Paul really points out here. Number one, in verses 3 through 7, he points out that the things he could boast in religiously were worthless compared to Christ himself, verses 3 through 7. The things that he could boast in religiously were worthless compared to Christ himself. Uh, number two, that he had to put aside his own desires to know Christ more intimately, verses 8 through 12. That he had to put aside his own desires to know Christ more intimately, verses 8 through 12. Number three, that the past was in no way going to stop him from pursuing more in the future, verses 13 through 14. That the past was in no way going to stop him from pursuing more in the future, verses 13 through 14. And the last one is that the church needs to be unified together in their pursuit of Christ, Verses 15 through 21. That the church needs to be unified together in their pursuit of Christ. Verses 15 through 21. So starting with the first part of the, the text, the things that he could boast in religiously were worthless compared to Christ himself. You realize that Paul grew up in the Jewish system. Paul was a Jew himself. Paul was an incredible, respected, well-respected Jewish leader during his time. And he performed all the ceremonies that a Pharisee would need to perform. He knew how to properly deal and take care of sin in his life. Um, in fact, he was very zealous and very passionate um, about his Jewish faith to the point of persecuting Christians. He actually deals with that in the beginning of the text. Paul's performance was much better than many around him, but that didn't matter much when Paul realized what it compares to Christ. It didn't matter in any way as to how he really could please God. And Paul was the best religious Jew you could probably find. He really did things by the book. He would be the ultimate fundy Baptist, if you could find one. He really could be. He did everything by the book. You know, he, he went to every service, not just Sunday morning, he went to Sunday school, Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, prayer meeting, every fellowship, every Yankee swap, whatever. He went to everything that there was to go to as a Pharisee. They didn't have Yankee swaps, sorry. Just threw that in there. <laughs> Maybe Hanukkah. Anyways, so the point is, Paul understood that this, in comparison to Christ, really didn't matter. In fact, he makes the statement that what things were gained to me, those I have counted loss. The things that I thought were very vital, very important, very impressive, as I thought through it, as I came to the realization, as I saw Christ for who he really is, those were not worth anything. You see, 
Paul was the best religious Jew. And we as the people of God need to love the Jews. But it is not enough to love the Jews in theory and not care for them to have the gospel and the Messiah. Romans 9, Paul's heart's desire was that Israel would be saved. Not only that they had a land, but that they would be saved. And I think we as Americans need to go all the way with this and not only halfway. We need to support Israel. What Obama has done is very terrible. But if you're going to back up Israel, don't just back them up on the land. Give them the Messiah. Give them Christ. That's what they really need. That's what Paul knew that they needed. And if you don't want to grow with Paul's thing, look at what Jesus does when he walks by Jerusalem weeping, knowing what's coming their way for rejecting him. You see, many of us list so many things we've done religiously. You know, we help out in so many different ways. We do so many things. Many of us, if we were to be honest, we like the props and the credit when we do something for God. That is why we disagree with each other about who does more in the church. That is why we go, I'm outperforming in this person. We spend so much of our time trying to get it right to please others that we lose sight of the fact that we're supposed to be doing this for Christ. We should be all things to all men, as Paul said. You need to do whatever it takes to reach people with the gospel. But don't get caught in the program itself. It's not necessarily how the delivery is made. It's who's preached that counts. It's the fact that you point people to Christ. Then how amazing and how religious and how a good member of Sovereign Grace Church you really are. It is Christ that's to be preached, not us. Number two, he had to put aside his own desires to know Christ more intimately. Look at verse 8. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for what? The excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. All the things he wanted to enjoy in this life could not measure up to the relationship he wanted with Christ. Paul was not just thinking lovely, happy thoughts about his relationship with Jesus. He was thinking, I will do whatever it takes for his name to be known. I will do whatever it takes for people to know about this Jesus. And sadly, that's a lot of Christianity today. Oh, I just love the Lord. And it goes nowhere, because it's just a nice feeling. And it's cute, and it's emotional, and it passes away within two minutes of someone cutting you off on the road as you're listening to worship tunes. Never had that happen to you? Had it happen plenty of times. <laughs> Lord, I need you. What? 
other words. But anyways, you know, Paul was very hard to knock down because he didn't think the way that many of us think. His financial didn't, situation didn't matter compared to knowing Christ. In fact, turn in Philippians chapter 4, literally just a page over. Listen to what Paul says here. He says, verse 11, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned, this is something that's learned, in whatever state I am, to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Don't take that verse out of context. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you when you go through all the different trials in life. And when you actually have Paul's approach to it, not the, oh, God's going to take care of it, let go and let God. No, when you have Paul's approach to the scriptures, which means I'm pursuing Christ. He's taught me so many things, and I, I trust that he's going to continue being faithful to me. Paul learned that. You see, Paul gives us encouraging words here in verse 12. Look at this. Back in Philippians chapter 3. Not that I have already attained, or am already perfected by a press on, that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Paul hadn't arrived yet. Even though he was pursuing God, pursuing Christ, he hadn't arrived yet. That, that should be encouraging for us. That should be encouraging for any believer that takes seriously their faith. Now, don't get all comfortable and fall into the trap many believers fall into. Well, you know, I can relate to Paul and David. They all struggled and I struggle. Yeah, but do you love and pursue the way they do? Because, you know, I think that's what happens with a lot of Christians. They go, oh, yeah, see, he struggled. Great. I'm in good company. We're all terrible sinners. Great. What Paul's saying is, no, don't stop. Keep going. I'm going to keep pursuing. Yeah, I haven't gotten there yet. Absolutely. I'm going to keep pursuing. Stop using the pathetic attempt of your spiritual walk that con consi consistently falters and start looking to people and examples in the scriptures of what it looks like to pursue God. What are you willing to put aside to walk closer to God this year? What are you willing to put aside like Paul and say, you know what, I know I spent a lot of time with this. I'm going to put it aside. Maybe it would do us some good to love and care for the things that God cares for. Take a moment. Pray more consistently for people around us. Pray for the nation of Israel. Support. Pray for the protection of our country. Pray for those struggling here in this church. Lend a helping hand when we can. Help in various ministries. Paul understood that he had to put aside his own desires to know Christ more intimately. There were things that Paul 
appreciated just like we do and enjoyed that just like we do. But he knew that those things were not pursuing Christ. We need to stop thinking people in the Bible are like these superheroes and they had no flaws and they really loved God because God gifted them specially with something. Reality is they had real struggles like you and me. The only difference is they didn't let that fall that they took into sin keep them down. Or that struggle that they were going through to continue to wallow in it. They got back up, kept going. They got back up and kept going. When they'd fall, they'd get back up and get going. Third point. The past was in no way going to stop him from pursuing more in the future. Paul knew that he hadn't arrived, so he focused on one thing in particular. Pressing towards the goal, we see this in the text. The goal of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, how did he accomplish this? He understood in order to achieve this, he had to do two things. One, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to the things that are ahead. He had to do both. Many times the past actually ruins the way we look at the future. What Paul's doing here is allowing us to see that he's, his living off past success in the ministry was not enough for his future pursuit of Christ. What Paul's doing here is telling us that, you know what, because I failed all these other years does not mean that I can't pursue this coming year, this future that I'm looking forward to, this pursuit that I have for Christ. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 26, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. It mattered to Paul that he was playing by the rules. It mattered to Paul that he was a good example to other believers. It mattered to Paul that he was practicing what he preached. Sadly, when many Christians look at these verses like this, they are just happy to be in the race. Just glad I'm part of the race. Reality is many disqualify themselves when they don't run by the rules. They don't have Paul's mindset when it comes to their walk with God. They're too busy looking at all the things that could go wrong in the race, not to the finish line. They're looking at the obstacles in the way. They're afraid of what might happen if I do this. They might reject me. They might not want to hear what I say about Christ. Wah, wah, wah. Poor me. And I'm going to tell you right now, this text right here, change the way I'm going to look at Grace Academy from here on out. You know why? Because if Paul could go through what he got, went through, I think I could deal with some struggles here and there. I, wasn't, I haven't been imprisoned, beaten, chained up, stoned, left for dead, <laughs> keep going. The point is, I haven't been there. And I have a right to complain? Really? There's a reward for running in the race faithfully. And many are just happy that they're going to heaven. F.B. Meyer said this, 
Self-dissatisfaction lies at the root of our noblest achievements. Whatever we achieve spiritually begins with dissatisfaction. I am not pleased with where I am in my spiritual life. I am not content with my spiritual condition. If you are content, you have reached a very dangerous point. It is a point at which you will find yourself insensitive to sin and defending yourself when you ought to be admitting your weakness and pursuing spiritual strength. Shame on any leader, any pastor, any deacon, anyone in this church that's not willing to admit when they're wrong when it comes to sin. If Paul could admit when he was wrong, we should be able to admit when we're wrong. If men in the church... Peter, who we all agree is a mature believer, could be confronted by Paul and still own up to the fact that he was wrong. I think we all need to humble ourselves once in a while. There are going to be times that some of you will approach me, and I might not react the way I want in the beginning, but Lord willing, you give me time in the Holy Spirit to work in my life, I will come back and repent. It is not enough to lead as if we never make mistakes or we never sin. That, is, that has to stop. There's nothing that breaks my heart more than when you try to sit there and go, look, I'm just trying to help you out. And the person's going, I did nothing wrong. Why are you telling me this? I read my Bible too. Apparently you missed this section. And you know what? That's been done to me too. Roman, how many times have I told you this? Roman. One thing Pastor's been pointing out in the last couple of devotionals he's done Yankee swap and then the leadership meeting is the importance of watching what we say. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Scripture tells us that. Why don't we understand that? You see, just because you failed in the past doesn't mean you, can, you need to continue falling, failing and falling in the future. You can't change your goal from mediocre, you can change your goal from a mediocre Christian to one that pursues Christ like Paul did. You go, oh, you know what? I've been kind of coasting the last couple years. You can change that. You can desire God more. You can be in his word more. You can make it a goal that that's going to be a priority for you. You can pursue God the way Paul did. Nothing's stopping you. You have the same Holy Spirit. It's not like you had an extra dose of the Holy Ghost. You have the same Holy Ghost in you. You really do. You really do. Of course, we get into times when we want to just do things to numb the pain or the struggle we're going through. We want to listen to heavy rock to get our mind off the things that we struggle with. For me, it's more like Blink-182, happy punk music. That's what I do. But anyways, that's besides the point. The point is, is we go to certain things, go to certain things to numb the pain, to numb the struggle, to get our minds off the issues in life, the, the pain, the sin that we're dealing with. And instead of going back to Christ and realizing that he's all we need, we go to everything else. I mean, for some of you, it could be food. That's an easy one for me. I'd definitely love to go to food every time. Just think I'd kill my budget instantly. But, you know, steak, 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 steak. Um, the point is, is we need to understand that those things, as good as they are, are not anywhere near compared to Christ. That tune that you want to turn on to numb the pain... It's not going to do what Christ can. It's not going to do what the Word of God can. The Word of God has power. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. That's what Scripture tells us. 
That's not made, those statements are not made about some nice little devotion you read. Those, those statements are made about the Word of God. Look, I'm in the same boat that many of you are in. You go through things and you just redirect to something else because you really don't want to deal with the problem. And sadly, as much as everyone goes, oh yeah, that person, he's just avoiding the problems. You are too. You're just doing it a little differently than they are. Okay? In instead of you avoiding the dealing with the problem by actually directly dealing with it head on and going, God, I need to repent, I need to do this differently, all you're doing is going, well, you know what? I'm not avoiding it. I'm just talking to somebody about it. But you didn't deal with it. You're still doing the same thing. Talking to somebody about it doesn't eliminate the problem necessarily. There are people that talk about things all the time. They go to psychiatrists every single week. And it's been going on for years. It's not enough to just talk about it. There's things that you need to do. There's Christ that you need to pursue. Here's a few things. We should want to hear and read God's word. That's something we should, do, we should want to do. We should want to sing beyond a Sunday morning praise song. David sang all the time. It wasn't just like, the Sabbath is the only day I sing. He sang praises to God every day. I don't doubt it. We should be encouraged rather than discouraged when a brother or sister shares something in Scripture with us. Unless it's a verse out of context, of course, but besides the point. These things should be our priorities, not our abnormalities in the church. It should be normal that we like these things. It should be normal that we as Sovereign Grace Church members want these things. Stop thinking that people that want to pursue Christ more are the weirdos. Because that makes Paul one too. That should be the norm in the church. Since when does pursuing a closer relationship with God more supposed to help us? Well, Scripture promises many things, and this is where I really want to get particular. Because people always go, well, what benefit is to me to pursue God? I mean, after all, I'm still going to go, go through all these trials again. You know, in fact, Scripture says that all that live godly will suffer persecution. I don't want to go through that, so I'm just going to live carnally. Is that the other option? Well, here are some promises. Here are some specific promises to those that pursue God, that pursue His Word, that really want a closer relationship with Him. Pastor actually mentioned some of these last night. I want to reiterate them. I think they were great and excellent. God delivers us from our fears if we seek Him. That's in Psalm 34. God protects those that fear Him. And then God helps those that are brokenhearted. He actually genuinely cares about your struggle as a believer. You know that? He's not some out-of-touch God that says, you know what, I saved you, you're on your own. Have at it. Have fun. I'll see you on the other side. That's not our God. That is not our God. Here's another verse. Proverbs 16, 7. Amazing text. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies at peace with him. Want a promise? There it is. Does that mean everybody will always? No. What it's saying is, 
There's something attached to when you please God, others around you notice. If you look at Scripture, there are examples full of this happening. Paul, faithful to God, locked up in the jail. All of a sudden, everything's wide open. There's a big earthquake. People are released, and the jailer goes, I'm about to kill myself. This is crazy. What happens after that? Paul tells him, stop, leads the man to Christ. I don't think the jailer was buddies with everybody in that jail. I highly doubt it. Here's the other incredible part. You look at the Old Testament. You look at Daniel, walking faithful with God, and he gets position of authority that you would have never imagined he'd get in that kingdom. He has the king prefer him over the others after a while. Don't tell me that's not in Scripture. That is in Scripture. Another verse. Psalm 84, 10 through 12. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. Here's what David says. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Here's an incredible part right here. For the Lord God is the sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. This is the scripture you and I need to be reading more. This is the scripture we should want and desire in 2017 to make sure it's a part of our daily life. There's a reason why Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. Just like you need physical food every day, you need spiritual food every day. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Just one more verse. There's so many in Scripture. I'm just giving you a few today. Proverbs 27. Here's for all your parents here. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. You want blessing on your family? Walk in integrity. Be genuine. Do away with the masquerade we always do. Put aside the Sunday morning Christian and be a Sunday through Saturday Christian that's consistent and walks in integrity before God. And the last part, this is for all of us as a church, that the church needs to be unified together in their pursuit of Christ. Verses 15 through 21. Paul finishes up this section of Philippians with a call to come together with him and pursue Christ. Come together with him and pursue Christ. Paul says that you are, if you are mature, walk with me on this journey. Let's do this together. God never meant for you as a believer to walk this path alone. You are in this church to walk with other believers side by side, hand in hand, advancing the kingdom. Every ministry in this church is to be done with others in mind and praying and supporting one another. There are not to be divisions among the ministries in a real sense. We should all have one goal as reaching people with the gospel, advancing God's kingdom.
Paul even includes this. Listen to this. He even includes, let those who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. What Paul is getting at is, I know that not everybody's going to get this right away, this pursuit that I'm talking about, but I, am, I trust that God will eventually reveal it to you. Eventually, God's got to reveal to you that this is important to pursue. So some of us may this year not really go for it as what we should. But I promise you, as life takes you through its trials, and you have more and more things that you need to struggle with and deal with, you're going to realize that the only answers really were here. They weren't in any magic program out there. The reason why we stand against false religions, false ideologies, is because we have the Word of God that gives us truth. The only reason why a pastor can teach on Islam is because he knows the Word of God. And he knows what the difference is. If a pastor said, I don't need the Word of God, I'm just going to study Islam, we'd be in a mess. We'd be in a mess. You need to know the truth to be able to distinguish that between the counterfeits. Paul understands that not everyone's going to get this right away, and God will reveal this to some later on. Paul then says something a little striking, that many walk pursuing the temporary rather than eternal. Look at what he says in the text. He says, verse, six, verse 18, For many walk of whom I have told you often, now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working which he is able to even subdue all things to himself. I want you to notice something here in particular as we close. Paul in verse 18 says, I tell you weeping, they are enemies of the cross. I think what Paul is showing us here is his heart for those that don't pursue Christ. Paul cried tears over people that didn't pursue Christ. Paul wasn't yelling at them. He wasn't screaming. He was crying and weeping. Like I said earlier, Jesus had the same thought for Jerusalem. He cried over Jerusalem. And I think one dose that I think many, much of modern-day American Christianity has lost is the ability to weep over people that are lost. It's not American enough. We cry in military movies. We don't cry over people going to hell. How pathetic. We have a Savior that was crucified on a cross that we get reminded of what he did for us, but we are not crying and weeping over those that are going to hell around us every day, neighbors, friends, relatives, people around us. And we pursue God the way that Paul does? I don't think so. Look, 2017 can be such a beautiful year if we start doing the thing that Paul does here. Made God and Christ, pursuing Christ a priority.
Listen to what Barnes says about this commentary, in this commentary. Whose end is destruction. They have no true religion. They must perish in the same manner as all sinners. A mere profession will not save them. Unless they are converted and become the true friends of the cross, they cannot enter heaven. Whose God is their belly, who worship their own appetites, who live not to adore and honor God, but for self-indulgence and self-gratification. Whose glory is in their shame, they glory in things of which they ought to be ashamed of. They indulge in modes of living which ought to cover them with confusion. And the last part, who mind earthly things, that is, whose hearts are set on earthly things and who live to obtain them. Their attention is directed to honor, gain, or pleasure, and their chief anxiety is that they may secure these objects. This is mentioned as one of the characteristics of the enmity of the cross of Christ. And if this be so, how many are there in the church now who are the real enemies of the cross? How many professing Christians are there who regardless regard little else than worldly things? How many who only live to acquire wealth, to gain honor, and to enjoy the pleasures of the world? How many are there who have no interest in a prayer meeting, in a Sunday school, in religious conversation, and the advancement of true religion on the earth? These are the real enemies of the cross. It is not so much those who deny the doctrines of the cross, it is those who oppose its influence on their hearts. Not so much those who live to scoff and deride religion, it is those who mind earthly things that injure this holy cause in the world. I have to say that what Paul says here cannot be ignored. Pursuit of Christ can't be ignored. We are not living for the here and now. We're living for eternity. So start really believing that and acting on that. Your sports team will not be around for eternity. I love my Patriots. I really do. This building will not be around for eternity. It's part of what we use to minister with the gospel, so we need to take care of it. Absolutely. Your children will be around for eternity. Your grandchildren will be around for eternity. Your coworker will be around for eternity. Your brother, your sister, your mother, your father will be around for eternity. Don't you think we have our priorities out of order sometimes? Don't you think we really belittle the very things that Paul really pursued? And sadly, too many Christians mock other Christians that want to pursue these things. I think that is the most disgusting thing that happens in the church. When someone truly wants to get right with God, they want to pursue Him intentionally, they want to be more fervent in their faith with, for God, others around them go, I'll get over that phase. You should be encouraging and building people up in the faith. Not going in there and trying to put out the fire that someone has been, it's been lit in the word of God. Don't be doing the devil's work where somebody is excited and passionate about the things of Christ. Sadly, Satan uses us like he used Peter in telling him not to go to the cross. Oh, you don't have to do this. You know, it's funny, we do the same thing. We, we do it nicely. We don't like intentionally go, you're way out of your league here, buddy. We go, you know what, if the Lord allows you to, you know, we'll see. We have all these nice little lingo that we use. And instead of encouraging, you know what, 
Let's pray about this. Let's see what we can do to make this work. Let me, let's bounce some ideas off each other. Let, let's see what we can do to make this ministry go forward better. Instead, we're putting out the fire that God has lit in people's hearts. Have Paul's heart for others instead of pointing the finger at other believers that just don't get it the way you do. Oh, they don't like doctrine the way I do. They don't love their spouse the way I do. They don't raise their kids the way I do. They don't come to church as often as I do. They don't pursue God the way I do. They don't give sacrificially as I do. You want me to keep going? Your goal is not to compare to people in here. So in conclusion, how can we specifically be more proactive to pursue Christ here at Sovereign Grace Church? What can we specifically do? Number one, I'd encourage every member of Sovereign Grace Church to find a Bible reading plan and read through the Bible this year. Make it a goal that you're going to read the Bible if you haven't ever done it all the way through for the first time this year. There are plenty of reading plans online. It will not take you that long to read a portion of Scripture every day. In fact, I think on average it takes about 20 minutes. It's probably shorter if you read faster. Number two, and just so you know, stick it out. Don't start, and if you fail a little bit, like, oh, behind three days. Get back on track. Get back. Keep doing it. Go. Pursue. God didn't pursue you that way. So why do you give up so easily? He gave his life for you. You forgot to read 20 minutes worth of Bible, and now you're going to go, oh, I can't do it anymore? Really? Pathetic American Christianity. Number two, find a portion of Scripture on something that maybe you're struggling with or need encouragement on and memorize it. Commit it to memory. Case in point, pastor's doing a study this next week overcoming different things that we have in our lives that people struggle with, overcoming bondage in our lives. If you have a specific struggle, find verses on that and memorize them that you can go to for ammo. Don't just go, oh yeah, I know this verse says, flee also youthful lust, but fall after righteousness, godliness. No, like take that verse to memory and really implant it in your heart. Have God work with you through that verse. Number three, find a place in this church where help is needed. There are areas lacking help. And I'm going to say this right now. I appreciated it because uh, some are not here. But a few people responded to what I said about helping out more in Grace Academy. And I really appreciated that. I, I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. Because we need you. We need that help. We ask for prayer. We ask for support. And you know what? Here's the other thing, too. Anybody that works... Um, on the security team, I don't think we ever do this. Can everybody come in here for just one quick minute? God will protect for two minutes. Can you get them over here, Paul? Whoever works on the security team. 
I would have said an emergency. Uh, John Townsky is watching. He's coming up. Mm -hmm. okay. Okay. You want to wait some time? Yeah, for sure. All right, John, we'll wait for you. Yes, yes you are. Security group, aren't you? Sean, come on up. I'll only take a minute. Folks, these guys are the ones that are protecting this building every Sunday that you don't see. So I want to give them a big thank you. All right? Let's give them a warm hand. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate your ministry here in this church. Really do. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you, Sean. Remember, we're all one body. Not one ministry is more important than the other. And, and, and because you probably don't have a knack for, like, security team, you're probably one of those people, I'm afraid of guns. Like, that doesn't mean that's not necessary. Okay? That doesn't mean it's not necessary. We do need protection. We definitely do. Wherefore, if you see a need that has not been met, meet that need for the gospel's sake. Give to a project that needs funding. Give of your time to others that need encouragement, and you see something that's not currently being done. If you could, and the church could benefit from it, do it. There are things that pop up in all our minds that, oh, I wish somebody could do this, or I wish somebody did that. Can I say that not everything can be done by the same people in the church? I can say that very strongly. Um, there are some things that you are gifted with Others are just not. I mean, I can't expect Luke to come in there and do the snow blowing. I just can't do that. It's not going to work. But you might be able to do that. You know, the point is, is there are different things that many times we notice and we pay attention to and we go, oh, this is missing. See if God will lay it on your heart to do that. See if maybe you can get somebody else that you know could probably do that and help out with that. Maybe you couldn't be the person heading it up. Maybe you're not organized. And you need someone more organized. Try not to bother Joanne too much. But you know, the, po <laughs> the, point is, the point is, try to find somebody that can help you in organizing that. We will intentionally this year pursue whatever means necessary to bring folks the gospel and encourage those in the body. That's our goal. Whatever it takes. That's Paul's attitude, and I think that should be sovereign grace's attitude. Whatever it takes to reach people with the gospel. Whatever Sunday school program that we're going through that you think somebody could use that benefit, invite them. Whatever study we're doing that other churches are not doing, invite them. Whatever function at the church, whether it's a Yankee swap, invite them. Bring them out and develop relationships with people. Make it a priority this year, number five, to find someone around you that you can develop a relationship with and give them the gospel. Find somebody, this was actually something we talked about in Sunday school and I thought it was an excellent point. Be intentional on developing a relationship with somebody around you in your vicinity that you talk to, maybe on a daily basis or a weekly basis, that you can develop a relationship with and share the gospel with. The early church did it. That's God's method. Nothing's changed. The gospel still works through you speaking. 
It's not you just sitting there having a nice Jesus bumper sticker and they're going to get to Jesus right away. It doesn't work that way. You need to say something. You need to share something. You need to be a part of their life. As a way of surprise and announcement, we would like to announce that we have a new webpage for Sovereign Grace Church for this coming year. SGCSpringfield.org. If you check it out, it is already up. We were working on it this last week. I appreciate Doug helping me move some things over. And we really want this to be a tool for this next coming year in organizing our church and doing better and making sure we know what events are planned when. When we have a cancellation, it'll be posted on the website so you no longer have to have Facebook if you don't have it. Um, The goal really is to further the gospel through this avenue. And I think this tool will be very beneficial to every one of you. Um, There'll be direct links to sermons on that. You can still do the podcast. We'll have that uploaded as well. Um, I am excited about this. I am thrilled about this because I think we've come to a point where we really need to go this direction. And for those of you that are in Grace Academy, we're working on getting that revamped. I am, I'm telling you, I am excited about this next coming year, not just because it's a cool website and we're new or something, but that now we'll have other opportunities to reach people that we haven't reached yet. Because I don't know about you, most people, they walk around with their mobile phone all day. Maybe that's you. But anyways, the point is, we do. And what would be great is if you could pull it up right there. No complexity. You know what's going on at Sovereign Grace Church next week. You know the new studies. By the way, our new studies are up there. So if you have any friends, family, relatives, aunts, uncles, sisters, cousins, whatever, you share the webpage with them. And if, if there's a particular sermon that you think would be a benefit to somebody, share that link with them. The goal really this year is to move forward in advancing the gospel. To join Paul, if we would, and saying, you know what, I'm going to pursue Christ more. I'm going to make him known to people. I'm not going to sit in my shell and go, I'm in Sovereign Grace Church, nobody knows what I'm really about. We're going to share Christ. We're going to pursue others for the gospel. And really quick, just want to throw this out there. We're going to, this is going to be an itemized budget item for this coming year. We need around 1000 for this. 200 has already been pledged. Um, so if you can give to that, I know many of you gave to the floor. I don't want to sit there and barge in on that too. If you can, or if, if your heart is inclined to give to this project specifically, write it on an envelope. You know, hand it to Joanne. Regardless, we're going to do this. So I think it's a very important thing. Um, Pastor and I have discussed this for quite some time. We are going this direction because we think in the 21st century this is a great way to be able to reach other people that don't get to actually step foot in this church. And as a last point, as we close this morning, sorry, it's almost 12, I apologize. Someone put a meme about going over time, I did. All right, anyways, <laughs> sorry, don't believe in it. <laughs> new year, new me, not this, no, not in this point, sorry, Chris. <laughs> now, the point is, the point is, um, not to scare anybody here, but we're going to try to take pictures of people in the church, too, and upload that as well. So um, if you particularly don't want to be photographed, just let us know. We'll make sure we edit you out, you know, put somebody else's face. No, I'm joking. But you know, <laughs> the, the point is, the point is, I, wa- I really do want to um, have something that we can share with other, other folks that have never actually stepped foot in this church. 
Um, there's something that we have as a benefit, and we know about this in the next couple of weeks. There's a reason I worked really hard um, with Doug and, and, and Pastor to make sure we get this done. As we do want those that don't come for a certain Sunday to be able to still participate in the service and be able to actually download the, the sermon. Eventually, we might do Facebook streaming. might go there. We'll see. Um, but there's another thing we're actually considering doing, just throwing that out there just in the future. We might be doing online giving. So if you're out a Sunday, if you're out on a Sunday, we would prefer you do that. That way we don't get, fall behind on a budget. Does that make sense? Because sometimes if you have snow and you're snowed in and you're out in Blanford like some folks are, you can't always make it. You just can't. No, you can't always make it, though. That's reality. So we want it to be easier for you also to be able to partake in the ministry if you can't make it directly. That we would prefer giving normally because there's still a little fee, I think, attached if we go that route. But just giving you some thoughts and ideas, I'm really excited about this. I hope you are as well. I believe that we can do a lot this next year for the gospel. I think we can do a lot more in Grace Academy. And you know what? Um, not that I'm going to change in every area of my life, but I really do want to pursue Christ more. And please join me in doing that. Please join us next week as we start these new studies. You know, I'm excited about that. I really am. Because you know what? God's got a lot in store for us here. You know what? Because it's all about eternity. We're just, we're just a reflection of what it's going to be like later. This is just a small little worship service of what it's going to be like up in eternity. All right, let's close with a prayer. Father, thank you so much for this day you've given us. We thank you for this new year. Thank you for the wonderful group of church members you've given us. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for what it's done in our lives. We thank you for the Apostle Paul and his pursuit of you. We ask that as we start this new year, you give us a fresh start. Your mercies are new every morning. We know that this new year that you give us can also be a fresh start for our church. We ask that you give us that heart that beats for you, that wants to pursue you, that longs to see others to know you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.